Hello, fellow Rebel Capitals. Hope you're well. So everybody knows that the stock market is in a massive bubble right now. I don't think there's any debating that. But this begs the question, is now the right time to short the stock market? I mean, should you be out there buying puts? Should you be shorting NVIDIA? <laughs> or the the, the MAG-7? <laughs> well, that's actually a very complicated question. So before I try to give you my answer, let's go over to Barron's and check out the underlying dynamics that are at play right now with the S&P 500 being at all-time highs. And if you just listen to the mainstream media, you think that the stock market's just on fire. But then once you scratch beneath the surface, you're like, whoa, this is bananas. And this is just another reason why I say that the, you know, the amount of bank reserves in the system really doesn't matter that much in times of uh, normal risk. You know, Do we really want to say that the S&P 500 right now has just ripped higher over the last two months because of more bank reserves? Of course not. It's all narrative driven, narrative, narrative, narrative. But let's get over to Barron's and check out exactly how insane this is getting here. What's behind the S&P 500's spectacular gains in four charts? NVIDIA's exponential growth and positive financial forecasts have propelled it well. And, and, <laughs> and the AI just being the most recent bubble mania hysteria. I think that probably has more to do with it than anything else. But uh, stock yet another new high, making S&P 500 ever more reliant. Listen to this. S&P 500. So I think there's 500 stocks in the S&P 500. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think I, I can say that with quite a bit of confidence. So 500 stocks <laughs> in the S&P 500. But ever more reliant on the fate of a single, a single semiconductor manufacturer. So all 500, the S&P 500, the combination of all these things, whether that is going up or down right now is pretty much reliant on one stock. As an example, if you have an index fund and uh, this is in your 401k or your IRA, or your IRA, or you go to your financial planner and like, oh, well, just everybody knows you just got to buy an S&P 500 index. And yep, that's you're just it, it's not about timing the market. It's just about time in the market. OK, well, what you're buying there through and thinking that you're completely diversified is basically one AI bubble stock. And uh, that's what's helping you sleep well at night. <laughs> so moving on, after jumping 16% on Thursday alone, NVIDIA edged up another 0.4% on Friday, trading a close $788 a share. The recent gains have pushed its year-to-date growth to 59%, lifting the chip maker market cap by $747 billion. The share price had already tripled in 2023. Now, a lot of people will say, George, what are you talking about? This is, don't you know that AI is the future? Yeah. Hey, nobody's disputing that, but that doesn't mean it justifies this price. That doesn't mean that it's not in a bubble. That doesn't mean that the S&P 500 isn't in a bubble 
or just wildly expensive. So here, and you think, well, George, 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 I know what you're saying, but it's not just NVIDIA. It's the Mag 7. And the Mag 7, they're just so wonderful and amazing that uh, they're never, ever going to go down. And, you know, I talked to my good buddy, Chris McIntosh, the other day, and he said, you know, you look for all of these uh, uh, kind of all this anecdotal evidence for bubbles in the past. And he said, show me one time when there's a grouping of stocks that uh, got a name that didn't signify they were in a bubble, right? Like that's the kiss of death. Whenever you name, it's almost like, um, you know, a Hollywood couple. Whenever they get a name, you know they're getting a divorce. Like uh, Brangelina or whatever it was with Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. It's the exact same thing. It doesn't matter whether it's the Mag 7 or the Nifty 50. Whenever you start naming a group of stocks, you know that at the very least, it's wildly expensive. And we're looking to buy low and sell high. We're looking to buy things when they're cheap and sell them when they are expensive. But everyone thinks it's all about the Mag 7, but it's not. It's not. That's where this really gets mind-blowing. I'm getting back to the article. That means uh, 28% of the S&P 500's gains. So looking at this chart, we can see NVIDIA and Facebook. I refuse to call it Meta. That's the most beta name on earth. Appropriate for Zuckerberg. That means 28% of the S&P 500's gains, nearly 2.7 trillion year-to-date, came from just one stock, 28% of the gains. So I get all these people in the comments of my videos or on Twitter or whatnot and say, oh, what are you talking about? You've been talking about how the stock market is overpriced for the last two years, and look at all the gains you would have missed out on, right? You would have missed out on those gains, but look at how much risk you took to get those gains. See, it's not it's not just about reward. That's that's not what makes a good investor over a long period of time. It's about risk reward. So sure, you can take a a a gun and put it up to your head and pull the trigger and hopefully there's no bullet in the chamber. You just play Russian roulette and great, fantastic. But is the risk worth the reward? You see, you can be at the blackjack table and hit on 19 and get 21. Get blackjack Fantastic. But was the risk worth the reward? And if you keep doing that over a long period of time, with blackjack, you're going to go bust. And with the other one, you're eventually going to find a bullet. So just rewinding one more time here, 28%, nearly 2.7 trillion of the S&P 500 gains have come from one stock. Facebook accounted for 12%. Microsoft and Amazon, 10 and 9%. Staggering. So then we go back to the question, well, it's all about the MAG-7, or is it all about the MAG-7? And the answer is absolutely not. The MAG-7 has now just become pretty much the MAG-5. And this is how bubbles always, always end. You get fewer and fewer and fewer and fewer stocks going up until the last one tumbles over, and then the whole house of cards comes crashing down. So Oh, I'm sorry. It's I, I said it's now the Mag 5. It's now the Mag 4. Listen to this. Those four stocks combined are responsible for 60% of the S&P 500's gains in 2024. Let, let me repeat that because that is just staggering figure. Those four stocks, four, combined are responsible for 
5% of the S&P 500 gains. So if you're one of these people that thinks that you're smart because you were invested in an S&P fund or index or ETF, or whatever the heck it is, right? And that your portfolio has increased and you did the right thing because you listened to Dave Ramsey. Dude, think again, because you have no idea how much risk you are taking right now. It's not to say that the S&P 500 doesn't go up. I, I, who knows? It could double from here. It could triple. I mean, the government could come in and start buying stocks, which I'm sure Joe Biden would like in 2024, <laughs> making the stock market go higher and higher and higher. But that doesn't mean that it's a smart investment because it's not just about reward. It's about risk and reward or risk in relationship to possible reward. What's your upside? What's your downside? So it points out that Tesla has lost 23% of its value this year. Apple lost 5%. Alphabet, Google lost three. So we're going from the mag seven to the mag four to who's the laggard? Most likely going to be Amazon. I mean, Bezos is just selling stock like it's like he's like he owns Enron or something like that. So Amazon and Microsoft tend. So I'll bet you Amazon will be the next shoe to drop. So then we'll be down to the Mag Three, and then of course we're just going to be left with Nvidia. Is 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 a proxy for it's it, what's bizarre is it's Nvidia. I'll bet you will not only be a proxy. For the whole entire stock market, it'll probably be a proxy for the U.S. economy. Right? I mean, you could have all these stocks that are going down, and just Nvidia is going up by so much that it's dragging up the entire S and P 500, which Joe Biden or Trump or whomever can point to and say, "Oh, look, our economy's on fire." And if it wasn't for Nvidia, we would be in an economic recession or depression. It looks like the 1930s. <laughs> I mean, this is how insane it's getting and the mainstream media doesn't care about reality and I, I would argue the retail investor doesn't care about reality they simply care about one thing and one thing only narrative that's it and you don't think that has downside risk let's keep going nvidia's market cap is now just below two trillion or nearly five percent of the entire s p 500 behind microsoft three trillion and apple 2.8 the stock has been on a tear of the last year ballooning more than five times in size. At the beginning of 2023, NVIDIA had a market cap of $360 billion, which meant it was roughly 17% the size of Apple, the most valuable stock of all time. Then it accounted for 1% of the S&P. Since then, or since uh, the beginning of 2023, the S&P has added $10.6 to its market value. 15% of that came from NVIDIA. So again, let's step back and look at this through the lens of the overall economy. There is no way that the S&P 500 going up by 10.6% didn't have an impact on aggregate demand. I mean, come on, let's just be realistic. And I mean, I, I wouldn't completely go along with the wealth effect hypothesis, but I think there, there's something to be said for people spending more money when their home equity triples or their stock portfolio quadruples. And then obviously, I guess the question is not whether or not it's impacting the overall economy, but to what degree? That's a better way of looking at it. Hey guys, I want to remind you to check out Rebel Capitalist Pro. This is the 
incredible online investment forum that I have with investment experts, Lynn Alden and Chris McIntosh. It includes professionals such as Patrick Serezna from Macro Voices. He specializes in options. Jason Hartman, real estate, and Brent Johnson with Macro Economics. If you want to build wealth and thrive in this world of out-of-control central banks and big governments, Rebel Capitalist Pro is the resource you need. So check it out today at georgegammon.com forward slash pro. That's georgegammon.com forward slash pro. We'll see you inside with the fellow rebel capitalists that are taking their investing to the next level. So let's just go back to the beginning of 2023. And let's see, I've got, let's look at the stock market and we'll go to CNBC homepage really quick. I'm really curious. Here's S&P. So we go back to the beginning of 2023. Okay, so right about here where we were at 40, call it 4,100. So think about this increase and how it's impacted aggregate demand. And then think about the stock market going back down, but not going back down to by 50%, just going back down to 4,000. I mean, would anybody say that that's unrealistic, especially when pretty much the entire stock market is just one stock? And then you got to ask yourself, okay, if we're kind of from a financial, from the economy standpoint, it's not like we're running on all eight cylinders, not even close. In fact, many people would argue that we're actually in a recession, even though the, you know, call it nominal GDP or whatever. I think, look, when you really adjust for the real rate of inflation, I think there's an argument as to how real GDP is negative right now, but we'll shelf that for a completely separate video. But you get my point. It's, it's not like the economy is booming, regardless of what you hear in the mainstream media. And that's with this increase in the S&P 500. What happens if it just goes down? Then what happens to the overall economy? Or maybe more specifically, aggregate demand. I mean, these are the things that you really got to think through. But let's get back to the Barron's article. CEO Jensen Hong said on Wednesday that the new wave of investment driven by generative AI would double the amount of data centers in the next five years. We talked about this the other day. So everyone looks at that like, oh my gosh, wow, this is wildly bullish. Um, is it? Because let's just assume that you believe AI is the future. I think to a certain degree, we all are in that camp. But then you have to ask yourself, can we just crank out all of this AI just to, for free? Or does it actually require resources? And then you got to ask the question, can the resources keep up with the demand to a point where NVIDIA could realize all of this revenue that the market is expecting based on the narrative. So at a video that I did the other day, we discussed how much energy is used by uh, the, I believe it was called the GPUs from NVIDIA. And just based on what they've sold so far or what their projected sales are, it might've been projected sales in 2024, that would require the same amount of energy that is used in the city of Phoenix. And that's just in 2024. That's not, let's just assume that they have this exponential growth that everyone is basically paying for right now that's taking the stock market to all-time highs. Okay, well, that means that they need to sell an exponential amount of these things that are going to require an exponential amount of energy. Where does that come from? You can't just, oh, well, let's just, uh, we need more energy. Uh, 
energy genie, do me a favor. Just give us 10 times the amount of natural gas or nuclear energy or electricity that we have right now. You, you can't just call Uber. Uber Eats. Yes, I would like uh, 10 times the electricity that I have right now, please. Yeah, you're going to deliver that in a half hour? Fantastic. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> it uh, and it seems like a lot of these retail investors are completely oblivious to the fact that, look, AI doesn't work without energy. Nothing works. Nothing. Zero. Nada. We as human beings don't work without energy. So it's it's not just an AI story. It's also an energy story. And if the energy can't keep pace with the AI, then AI has got one place to go. And that's right back down to whatever the energy or the amount of energy that we have at our disposal will actually allow. Getting back to the quote from the CEO, a whole new industry is being formed and that's driven our growth. He said in a company's earning call. Yes, I mean, totally agree there. But again, it, it's you, you can't, NVIDIA can't grow all by itself. And I think people are ignoring that. Here you go. Here's a chart from Barron's. They say, well, the valuation, I mean, look, it's, it's, it's not that bad. I mean, look at this. You've got Tesla at, uh, what, 65, 64. You've got Amazon. Look at these valuations for these companies. And NVIDIA, hey, not too shabby right in the middle. But this is a bit like saying that... Uh, you know, it's like buying AOL in whatever, 1999 and saying, look, it's, it's reasonably priced guys. I mean, you got pets.com right here. You got Enron right here and hey, AOL right in the middle. Hello. The valuation is completely reasonable when you compare it to pets.com and Enron. <laughs> I'm not saying, I am not saying that Alphabet is Enron or Tesla is pets.com. Or, I, I get it. I get it. But it's just the concept. What you're doing is you're taking something that's wildly overvalued and something that may not even be able to grow, even if there is demand, to the level that would justify these prices due to the constraints that we have on energy. And you're somehow saying that it's cheap just based on its peers. Come on, come on. So now let's try to answer the question, should you short the S&P 500? And I've actually got a very easy answer for you. No. Now, I can't give you personal investment advice. I can only tell you what I am doing for my own portfolio or what I would do. And there is literally zero chance that I would short the S&P 500 right now. I wouldn't even short NVIDIA. Why? Who knows what the stock market's going to do? I mean, look at what it's done over the last year. Would anyone have expected that with Fed funds being at 5.25%? I mean, to, to think that there is some component of rational thinking involved in stock prices right now, I think is completely ridiculous. There is, there is no, in fact, there's no thinking going on here at all. It's just simply emotional FOMO and Jim Cramer. Bye, 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 bye. There is no analysis. There's no, uh, there, there's no uh, concern for facts or data or fundamentals. <laughs> I mean, nothing, absolutely nothing. So since none of that exists right now in the market and it's gone up this high, why, why can't it go up another, why can't it quadruple from here? 
I mean, if people are stupid enough to take it up to where it is today, why aren't they stupid enough <laughs> to take it up uh, to 10,000 as in P500? So what I would much prefer to do instead of shorting the stock market is I would much prefer to go long something else that would benefit tremendously if the stock market crashes. And it may even benefit tremendously if the stock market doesn't or maybe continues to go up. Because what is what are a couple variables that could drive the stock market even higher? Even if we go into a recession, well, the Federal Reserve coming in and buying shares, that could do it. Or the government coming out with more stimulus. Or right now, by the way, Janet Yellen has about $750 billion in the TGA. So even if they don't come out with a new wave of stimmies, you know, in 2024, what's the probability that she takes the TGA down to 100, you know, to try to reelect Joe Biden? I, I would say the probability is extremely, extremely high. And that's, ba- I mean, she could be holding on to all this spending and be like, great, let's just drop 700 bill on whatever it was we were supposed to spend money on back in 2023. We'll just save it for 2024. And that could result in checking account balances going up and up and up, which could result in more and more buying. I'm just giving you one hypothetical scenario, even in a recession. And then if the Fed comes in and somehow manipulates the narrative, even if we're in an economic slowdown, that could drive stock prices higher. I mean, let's not forget that since 2008, 90% of the time, we have been in an environment where good news is bad news. And bad news is good news. So why wouldn't we see that play out in 2024? Where the higher the unemployment rate gets, oh, the stock market's got to go higher there. Why? The economy's crumbling. Who cares? Fed's going to lower rates. I mean, that's very, very bullish until it becomes bearish. And then it's wildly bearish. Go back to 2020. Perfect example, right? We had this, uh, uh, the, the narrative that the Fed is there to save the day. Save the day. We got the Fed put, the Fed put, the Fed put, the Fed put. And then what happens is we have the Cervasa sickness and the Fed goes in to put in that put and the stock market basically gives them the finger. Why? Because it got to a point where you can ride the Fed's narrative for so long until the economic conditions get so bad that that overwhelms every other narrative that's positive. And now all of a sudden we go from, oh my gosh, this is great, the Fed's put. So the worse the economy gets, the more the Fed is going to do, and that's going to drive stock prices higher. So bad news is good news. But then the bad news comes, and it gets bad, worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse to the point where it's so bad that nobody cares about what the Fed's doing anymore, and they just sell anything that they've got. So that would. So let's go over to the two-year treasury. I really like the two-year treasury. And so let's also look at the Fed funds. Let's. This goes back to 1990, guys. So you can see 1990, we were at, call it 8.6%. And then we get uh, this bump. Let's, let's call it 2,000. Then we go down. We get a rise higher. And then we go down to what we all remember after the GFC. And then let's not forget that they increased rates. 2018 didn't last long. And then what they've done more recently. So let's compare that with Fed funds. And what we can see is what you'd expect is it's pretty much identical to the two-year treasury. So if you're worried about the supply side at the long end of the curve because of all the deficit spending, I get it. I mean, I don't, I don't put much weight into that argument, 
But if even if you do, the two-year treasury is going to be impacted to a greater degree by what the Fed is doing than the long end of the curve. So if I'm, uh, instead of buying puts on the S&P 500, what I would prefer to do, and again, this is not investment advice. This is just kind of what's going through my head and what I would do for my own portfolio is uh, if I'm trying to play a stock market crash, I'm going long the two-year treasury. Because if the stock market crashes, what's the Fed going to do? They're going to drop rates. If we get a recession, Fed's going to drop rates. If we get a recession, the stock market could go up, or Janet Yellen spends the five, the seven hundred billion in the TGA or whatever it is. Right, that could happen during a recession. Stock market goes up, but in that environment, rates are going down. The only way rates aren't going down is if we have some sort of soft landing, and the Fed is able to keep rates at five point two five percent. Uh, to infinity and beyond, then you got to ask yourself the probability with the in, with the curve being inverted by let's just say almost 100 basis points. The probability of that happening is incredibly low. And if it were to happen, what we would likely see is the 10-year Treasury going up, 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 up past Fed funds, which is at 5.25 percent. So let me say this another way: What do you think the probability is that the 10-year Treasury over the next eh, I don't know year, year and a half goes from Four point, say three percent, up to six point five percent. I think most of you would say the probability is, is is darn near zero, and that's what the bond market would have to do to give us a signal that we are having a no landing, or that disin further disinflation or a recession isn't really a problem. So the first thing that I would personally do. Uh, as opposed to shorting the market, would be go long the two-year. If you like more bang for your buck, maybe uh, TLT. But then I also want to point out what is getting really cheap. Because you guys hear me say all the time, one of my strategies or my main strategy is, and obviously I didn't make this up, just buy cheap, sell expensive. That's it. Buy cheap, sell expensive. When things get cheap, you buy them. When things get expensive, you sell them. And that in and of itself, it seems so simple, but it's actually very hard to do. And if you can do that, it gives you a tremendous edge. And I use the example of 2020 when I was buying oil stocks. And uh, this was when oil was right around $20 a barrel. I mean, you guys remember back then, everyone thought the world was coming to an end. And I thought that oil was going to go down a lot more than it, uh, than it was. At the, I thought it was going to go a lot. It was going to go down further than the current price, which was right around $20. I thought it was going to go down to maybe 10, maybe even sub 10. But I bought anyway. And I bought why? Because it's cheap. Not because I thought the price was going to go up or it had bottomed. So I completely ignored the price. I focused on just asking myself the question, is it cheap or is it expensive? If it's cheap, you buy it. Right now, nat gas is cheap. Man, is it cheap. It's actually cheaper than it was in March of 2020. Or I'm I'm sorry, almost as cheap. March of 2020, it was 160. Today it's 168. Man, that is cheap. So I would much prefer to buy Nat Gas or like a producer if I could find a quality one than uh, short Nvidia. And let's not forget. I mean, I don't really know all the inner workings of of artificial intelligence. But it seems to me like if they're going to need all this additional electricity, that might translate into needing a, lot, a heck of a lot more uh, nat gas. So if I want to go long, uh, assuming that there's the relationship there, 
and that would require a lot of research. But assuming it was there, I would much rather go long nat gas as a proxy for NVIDIA. Uh, now, here's something interesting. I'm going to interview Mike Green today, and he's got uh, Simplify as his company, and they've got this ETF that, if I'm not mistaken, is basically a proxy for the two-year treasury. Uh, and I might buy this for my own portfolio, but I don't understand enough about it. So I'm really looking forward to interviewing Mike today and kind of getting the details as to how this works to see if it might be an option. So, uh, and then I've got one more uh, to your treasure. Yeah. So on that note, guys, I think what I'll do is another webinar. These seem to be very, very popular. So if you guys enjoy them, I'll keep doing them. And it'll be this Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. It's going to be in Rebel Capitals Pro. So you can go there. You can do the dollar trial uh, at uh, georgegammon.com forward slash pro. That's how you find that. And I think the webinar for this Friday is going to be specific nat gas companies because I just text Chris McIntosh, who is one of my partners with Rebel Capitals Pro along with Lynn Alden. And I know that he's really got his finger on the pulse. Of, of not just energy, but commodities and all of these producers. So I text him and I asked him what nat gas producers he likes right now. And uh, he, he texts me back probably four or five. So I want to do some more research on those. And then on the webinar Friday, I want to reveal those, go over which ones I like, which ones I don't, and maybe why. And then I also want to go over the information that I get from Mike Green on this ETF that might be a great way to play the two-year treasury, which again is uh, something I prefer instead of uh, shorting the market if I believe that the market's actually going to crash or if there's that possibility that the market crashes and if I want to get exposure to that. All right, guys, on that note, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. As always, make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market, capitalism. We'll see you on that incredible webinar this Friday, 1 p.m. Eastern time. You can check it out at georgegammon.com forward slash pro. See you in the next video.